Podcastle 336 for November 6th, 2014. Why I Bought Satan Two Cokes on the Day I Graduated High School by Nathaniel Lee. Rated R. Contains F-bombs, which are of the devil, and, well, it contains the devil, too. Hello and welcome back to Podcastle, your weekly fantasy fiction podcast. The place where the Podcastle team, that's LaShawn Wanick, Graham Dunlop, Rune Jiwa, Sarah Goldman, M.K. Hobson, Peter Wood, Anna Schwind, and myself, get together to bring you the best fantasy fiction stories we can find week after week. I'm your host and co-editor, Dave Thompson. Over the last month-ish, we've been traveling into the October country and sharing some of the spookier stories we can find. This week, well, we're going back to one of the most popular characters in all of literature. None other than the devil himself. The devil's been all over literature, from the Bible, to which he admittedly had very little time on the page, to Milton's Paradise Lost, to Neil Gaiman's The Sandman, to Joe Hill's Horns, which he played kind of a personal devil in a Depeche Mode kind of way. There's no denying, we love Satan. I'd love to hear what your best-loved version of our first bad boy of literature is. Let me know over at forum.escapeartist.net. In the meantime, I'll share maybe my most memorable encounters with the devil. As a kid, I attended a private Christian grade school. Every Wednesday, we went to chapel, which ranged from guest speakers to Bible stories, to classes preparing their own unique chapel experience. When I was in third grade... One of the older classes decided to do a performance of Carmen's The Champion. I'm going to guess that most of you have never heard of Carmen. In addition to The Champion, which is the most amazing Christian rock opera you've never heard of, he wrote such popular Christian tunes as Satan Bite the Dust, kind of a weird western, Addicted to Jesus, A to J, I think this was around MC Hammer's Too Legit to Quit Days, Radically Saves, and The Standard, which encouraged listeners to put God back in schools the way the Founding Fathers, especially Tom Jefferson, always meant for him to be. And if you want to lose an hour or so of time, you really should YouTube some of these. Satan Bite the Dust in particular is incredible, where Carmen dresses up as a cowboy and struts into a demonic saloon, shoots up demons, and eventually guns down an unarmed devil. That's what Jesus would do, I guess. I'd never heard any of those songs or even heard of Carmen before I saw that chapel production back in third grade, but I was a fan after the champion. Officially. So, when the music got decidedly science fictional in an 80s sort of way, the room got dark, and a loud voice boomed over the speakers that we were going to see Lucifer versus Jesus Christ in the final epic struggle of good versus evil, well... I was hooked. Next thing I know, the guitars kick in and Satan is strolling up the aisle. Satan as a sixth grader, actually, which is like the coolest thing when you're in third grade. And he looked really, really cool. He had on a jacket and tie. His hair was all slicked back. And he wore some really nice shades. And then, Jesus came out a few moments later in a choir robe and looked decidedly less cool. Now, kids, please don't misunderstand me. I was a good Christian boy, and when it was revealed that it was a Lucifer versus Jesus in a boxing ring, and Jesus actually uttered the words, Go ahead, make my day, in a non-ironic way, I admit, I probably cheered. Then Satan landed that knockout blow, and God the Father was somehow officiating, which can't really be fair, right? But there he was, and he started to count but did it backwards, and Lucifer starts freaking out, and then Jesus got back to his feet and somehow won the match. Spoiler alert. Maybe he clobbered Lucifer a good one. I don't exactly remember, but I was ecstatic. I mean, Lucifer was the bad guy after all, right? Right? Okay, here's another experience I had around the same time at the church we attended. The pastor was talking about how Jesus commanded we love our enemies, right? The golden rule. So naturally, I asked my parents, does that mean Jesus loves the devil? Is there some kind of possible reconciliation or redemption for the original supervillain? 
My parents were not amused, but I wasn't amused either. It was a serious question. I'm still kind of curious about it. Podcastle is very proud to present Why I Bought Satan Two Cokes on the Day I Graduated High School by Nathaniel Lee. The story was originally published in the excellent UFO 3, Unidentified Funny Objects, that is, edited by the most excellent Alex Schwartzman, and is out now. I highly recommend you checking it out. In addition to this story, it has stories by Jim C. Hines, Tina Connolly, Tim Pratt, Kat Rambo, and Carolyn M. Yoakum, among others. This is Nathaniel Lee's third outing here at Podcastle, at least with a feature story. He also won our first flash fiction contest, and we bought another of his stories from the second. Nathan puts words in various order and periodically receives money as a result. No one knows why. His fiction has appeared in dozens of venues and several actual non-digital books. You can find a complete bibliography at mirrorshards.org, and you can pay him directly for his work by buying something on Amazon or looking him up on Quarter Reads. He also serves as the assistant editor at Escape Pod and the managing editor at the Drabblecast, a seawall against the surging ocean of slush. Nathan, you truly are the champion. Your reader this week is that sweet, thoughtful, kind, meek, humble, very humble, good Christian boy whom you had no idea consorted with the devil. Me. Um, the boy, not the devil. I think. So, put on your sunglasses, cause here's Satan. Enjoy the story. Why I Bought Satan Two Cokes on the Day I Graduated High School by Nathaniel Lee. When I came out of the coffee shop with my latte and my fresh walnut brownie, the Archangel Michael was beating the ever-loving shit out of Satan down on the corner. I could see the impact crater right in the middle of the intersection, and one of the poles holding up the traffic lights was cut in two so the wires had fallen in the street, and also it was on fire on account of the flaming sword, so it was a real mess. All higgledy-piggledy. Michael was holding Satan up by the neck with one hand and just slapping him across the face with the other, which also, by the way, was still holding the sword, so it wasn't so much like slapping as it was punching with brass knuckles. Also, it was still on fire. People were honking, but only the ones far enough back that they couldn't see what was going on. Everyone else was kind of looking the other way, fiddling with their cell phones, avoiding eye contact. You know, like you do around angels. I figured... It was time. Hey, I said. Michael turned. I lifted the hand with the coffee in it and pointed at Satan, who was pretty beat up by then, missing some teeth and all bruises and stuff. Not cool, I told Michael. The angel looked down at me with his bronze wings all clanging in the wind. Then he snorted and tossed Satan to the ground and just took off. I stumbled a little and nearly spilled my coffee. Angels got wicked backwash. By then, Satan was staggering upright. You okay, dude? I asked him. Could have taken him, Satan said. He spat out a tooth and flared his nostrils. Didn't need your help. I looked around. Traffic was moving again, just kind of squeezing around the hole and avoiding the sagging lights. If you kick up a fuss about the mess the angels might make, who knows what might happen. People don't complain, and that's all right. Yeah, I said. I know. You want some of my brownie? No, said Satan. He took half. I try to imagine what people think of me. Okay, I mean, I always end up thinking about it a lot anyway, so what I guess I mean is I try to make it more interesting by really trying to work it out, you know? Like, okay, that's me, right? And I'm this tall, skinny, pale guy with dark hair, and the stuffing is coming out of my jacket around the elbow. And then beside me, there's this basically homeless dude in a long black coat with dusky skin and a goatee. And I wonder if people think, those guys are losers. But then it's not like people don't recognize Satan, because it's actually kind of obvious that his skin is red underneath the dirt. Plus also the tail and the hooves going clip-clop down the sidewalk. So then it's like, whoa, that guy is walking around with the devil. He must be a badass. Except that no one thinks Satan is a badass anymore because he's always getting his ass kicked by angels, especially Michael. And so 
Then I figure they just think, I'm a loser again. Well, it's a puzzler, isn't it? By the time we got to the Mini Mart pop stop, Satan was all healed up. Picture of demonic health and stuff. Even looked a little cleaner. I wondered if he had kept dirtying himself up to keep the hobo sheet going or something. I mean, he used to be an angel and those guys can't get dirty. I've never seen one get dirty anyway. Maybe they just don't like it. Satan was in a better mood, too. You are my good and faithful minion, he said to me, holding out his hand. Pledge yourself to my service and I will grant you all the kingdoms of the world. I looked up and he had a coupon for a dollar off a Big Mac. I held up my latte. I just spent my last five bucks, man. Satan shook the coupon at me. Mortal scum, he said. I shrugged. Okay, maybe I'll get a new job sometime. I took the coupon and put it in my pocket. The one without the hole in it. Together we will rule this world, Satan assured me, patting me on the shoulder and leaving a couple of new scorch marks. Come on, let's get slushies. Satan and me got a system. See, people are real bigoted, and shopkeepers especially, so they know that the Prince of Darkness and Lord of Lies is going to steal all their shit. So Satan goes in first and just lurks the hell out of the place. Shifty eyes and all glancing up and down all the time. He's boss at it. And while everyone is giving him the stink eye, I can basically pocket whatever the fuck I want and then go buy a pack of gum or a slushie for the look of the thing and leave. Today I stole a couple of 40s and a bunch of Slim Jims and a bottle of cough syrup that turned out to be the wussy new crap. I don't think they even make the alcohol kind anymore, but Satan always asks for some. He's kind of a fogey. I nearly busted out laughing when he actually pulled his coat up along his arm and skulked toward the candy aisle like friggin' Bella Lugosi or some shit. The stiff behind the counter had no idea she was getting made fun of. She was laser-focused on that suspicious demon, dude. Man, you cannot buy that much funny. Used to be Satan could just get anyone to steal for him. Even solid, upright, pillar-of-the-community types, but that don't work very often anymore. Everyone's got insurance these days. Even most of the juvenile delinquents, which, come on. How are you skipping school with an angel watching over you? You're just going to get your ass busted to Perky for a couple of decades. Idiots. Thinking about that stuff reminded me about my ceremony, though, and I got depressed. Graduation's coming up, I told Satan. He was drinking down the not-at-all-buzz-inducing cough syrup because his stupid ass can't admit when he's wrong. Mom's pushing me to start looking, you know, at all the options. Satan belched Robitussin at me. They all suck, he said, waving vaguely at the sky and the ground. I guess demon angels. Yeah, but it's mandatory now. Only reason I even get to wait until graduation is because I got grandfathered in or something. I was leaning toward Raziel the Destroyer because destroying sounded pretty cool, even though it would definitely turn out to be lame once you actually swore to the guy, I was sure. Angels were never any fun, even when they were doing fun stuff. You should swear to me. You took my coupon. Yeah, but that doesn't, like, you know, count. Satan pulled himself up and narrowed his eyes, and only wobbled a little. We'd already downed most of the malt liquor. I, he said slowly, am on the list. Oh, officially. You are not. Am so? Bullshit. I took a big gulp of my Slurpee and regretted it. Ice cream headache, big time. I'm an angel, right? I clenched at my forehead and squinted. Technically, I guess? Press your tongue on the roof of your mouth. Anyway, technically is all that counts with these bozos, so I'm on the list. I have to be. You're not in the handout they gave us after spring break, I'm pretty sure. I wish I had my backpack with me. He waved a talent hand. That's not the real list. They can cheat on that one and get away with it because it's just for you monkeys and not for actual people. No offense. 
Sure. So you're going to do it? You'll swear to me at your choosing? I pretended I couldn't hear the desperation in his voice. I shrugged. I took a swig from my 40 to stall for time. It's not like I've got anything better to do, I said at last. Yes. Satan was rubbing his hands like in a cartoon, and I swear on my balls, his eyes actually glowed red. Idle hands, the old reliable. It was a long walk down to the waterfront, but Satan said it was real important. I was looking at the sky a little nervous by then. Mom doesn't like me out late, and obviously she doesn't approve of me hanging around with Satan much, but more than that, I was worried about getting home before curfew. I mean, angels are lame and stupid and assholes, yeah, but dude, you do not want the angel of death catching you breaking curfew. That guy is super creepy, and they say he doesn't fuck around with Pergy, not even for minors. One and done, and into the lake of fire you go. This is the innermost circle, Satan said, fiddling with a rusty old padlock. Heart of pandemonium, the black throne awaits. You say that every time you go to the bathroom. Shut up. Help me with this. We ended up having to go through the broken window and undo the latch from the inside. I gave Satan a boost. He stepped on my head, which really hurts with goat hoofs, by the way. Ah, he said, once we were inside. It was an old warehouse, big and wet, and smelling like mildew took a shit. My realm. Satan had a little sleeping bag and a box with a battery-powered lamp and a camp stove. I nodded and tried to breathe through my mouth. Here, he said, my wings. It was a clothing rack. You know, the kind on wheels, like stolen from a dresser or something? Hanging on it was what looked like a bundle of sticks glued all over with dead crows. I poked it, and it creaked a little. They don't work right now, said Satan, but I'm getting them fixed. Cool, I said noncommittally. Once they blotted the sun from the sky, disaster and ruin trailed in their wake, and men wailed to see their shadows upon the plains. Oh, I rubbed my finger against my pants. The wings looked even shabbier now. Once we've assembled our army, I will fly at its head, and my wings of darkness will be terrible to look upon. Terrible and awful. Then mortal men will know the king of the world. Satan seemed pretty lost in his little dream world. After a little bit, I cleared my throat. Okay, man, well, I've got to go, I pointed. Curfew. He looked crestfallen. I felt bad, but seriously... Lake of fire. I'll catch you tomorrow, okay? I said. Satan waved a feeble claw in dismissal. When I left, he was stroking his crumpled black wings, and I swear he was singing to them, or maybe just to himself. The streets were empty. All the doors were locked, all the windows were shuttered. Fresh lamb's blood daubing every lintel. You know how it is. I kept pretending I could still see a little glimmer of sunlight. Maybe if I convinced myself, it wouldn't count against me? Like, innocent mind, no mens rea, right? By the time I got to my street, I was out of breath. I stopped at the corner and puffed a few times, but when I realized I couldn't see my shadow on the ground, I sucked it up and pushed myself into a jog again. I saw someone waiting outside my door and freaked. Mom, what are you doing outside? It's gotta be after curfew. Fucking creepy ass angel of death was just staring at me with those black eyes of his. Okay, well, here I am at home. I kind of shuffled around him crab-wise. Angel just stared. I'm gonna go inside? No movement. So, bye then. I scooted backwards, but I couldn't move. He was holding the front of my jacket. I didn't even see him move. His hand was so cold, it burned, even through the Gore-Tex. Friday, he whispered. Then he was gone. Friday was the ceremony. My choosing ceremony. The fuck did that mean? Man, I hate that guy.
Mom was super pissed about me getting home late, but I think she was so happy to see me not Angel of Death that she wasn't maybe as pissed as she might have been. She was still plenty pissed, though, especially because she'd gotten a letter from my guidance counselor that afternoon and had been stewing and waiting for me to get home all day. Turns out they'd noticed that I'd stopped going to class a couple weeks back. Oops. What could I say? It's not like I was going to college or anything. The fuck was the point? So the next day, Thursday, we bundled into the mom-mobile and went to meet with Mr. Musily. I forgot how to spell his real name, and he's a nut and a fruit and a flake, so I stick with Mr. Musily, and it makes him so mad that his little mustache puffs right out like a scared cat. Mr. Musily's mustache was already pretty fluffed when we got there, though. We're very concerned about your future, Samuel, Mr. Musily said, the little emblem of his angelic protector, Raphael the Healer, glinting at his throat. He folded his hands on his desk. His nails were perfect, rounded squares. His desk was perfectly clean. He had one pen and one pencil lined up on either side of his blotter calendar. Who the fuck even uses pens? Who blots things anymore? We thought you'd like to talk about it. We've been getting some disturbing reports. Do you have an explanation for your recent... behavior? I looked at Mom, but she was all thunderclouds on the mountaintop. I don't know, I said. Things went downhill from there. Basic points that I remember. 1. Mr. Musily wanted me to do well. 2. Everyone wanted me to do well. 3. Doing well meant choosing correctly. 4. Which I was clearly not prepared to do. 5. Here are some pamphlets. So, that was fun, and I mean fun as in angel-type fun, so not fun at all, in any way. I was basically told I would not be swearing to Raziel or Michael or any of the interesting angels. There was apparently an option called general obedience that meant, near as I could tell, working for everyone at once, but no one in particular, and generally doing manual labor, building pyramids and monuments and cathedrals, and filling in the potholes when Michael decided to dropkick demons from orbit. Mom tried to defend me, which honestly kind of startled me, but Mr. Musily never liked me and had clearly finally decided to drop me right in the shit for good. Well, fine then. They didn't want me. I had other options. It took me a while to find Satan. You'd think he'd stand out more, but he blends in a lot better than he should, and nobody likes to even mention him, which makes asking which way he went kind of a pain in the ass. Half the people don't answer, even if they've seen them, and the ones that do like to give you shit. I get tracks. Once, someone lectured me for almost 30 minutes until Satan wandered back around and stole his laptop bag and got the police called on us. I wasn't really in the mood for happy memories, though. Between Mr. Musily's sanctimonious bullshit and Mom telling me that if I left the house I shouldn't bother coming back, I was pretty far in the emotional shithole. I remember having a hard time finding the street signs because everything kept getting blurry. Every now and then, some smarmy asshole would come simpering up to try and find out what was wrong, earn brownie points from whatever angel they'd sworn their lives to. Mostly people got the fuck out of my way, which was good. I didn't need to ask directions. I knew where I was going. I started at the old warehouse Satan had shown me and spiraled out from there. When I started passing people whispering in clusters and looking disturbed, I knew I was getting close. He always knows the most upsetting thing to say to anyone. It's like a knack. I think it was basically his hobby when we weren't fucking around and doing stupid shit. Something twigged, even through my haze of anger, when I saw who Satan was with. Some old bag lady who was just kind of sitting on the stoop, and he was leaning down and whispering in her ear. I slowed my stride into more of a sideways saunter. My feet wanted to turn around. They were probably smarter than I was. I wonder what would have happened if I'd listened to them. At any rate, Satan heard me coming and looked up. Sammy, he said, smiling. I stole you a Snickers. He held out the candy bar. Actual king size, not just fun size. Usually, he keeps those for himself. I realized I'd missed dinner, and my stomach rumbled. What's up? I said, gesturing with my Snickers. The old lady was just staring off into space. Her face was wrinkled like last year's apples, and she stank like a toilet. Even hungry as I was, I couldn't bring myself to eat in the face of that smell. Eh? Oh. 
Satan started peeling the wrapper on another candy bar, like it was a banana. She'll kill herself tonight, probably, or tomorrow. Drugs. He bit into the candy bar. What? Why? He looked at me like I was crazy. Because I convinced her to. I looked at him like he was crazy. Because? Look at her throat. When I glanced down and back up in obvious confusion, he snorted. No sigil. No angel. No protection. He grinned, showing his rotten teeth liberally smeared with nougat. No reprisals. So you're just going to off her because you can? Despair is a sin. It's the only one she's got left. Okay, but, I mean... Fuck, dude! I felt my face flushing red. Satan's eyes went flat and dark. They kicked me out. Yeah, I get it. So you break the rules back at them, but... No! He waved a hand sharply. Not just opposing. Asking. I am asking questions. I ask questions and wait for them to answer. I was having a hard time catching my breath, and not from the old lady's B.O. Dude, they answer you all the fucking time by bashing your head in. That's not the question. His face was reddening too, except on him, it was more of a burgundy. She is. What? Mercy. Grace. His nostril flared. Punishment. What? You want to talk hypocrisy and unfairness? Fucking hell, man. Exactly. His eyes gleamed with triumph. The old lady whimpered then. Not a big noise, barely even a noise. I don't think she was trying to talk. I don't think she even knew anyone was there, but I heard it. And it's like, what the fuck? This is it? I got bullshit from the Musily knots of the world. Bullshit dropping down like manna from heaven, and what's left? More bullshit, except political? And Satan was just so pleased with himself. Like this was what was important and good and correct. And not just hanging out and having fun and not caring about stupid crap. I punched Satan. Well, I tried, but he dodged. Probably leftover omniscience or something, because he looked pretty startled. Fuck you, I shouted. I pushed his chest and he backed away a step with a grunt. She's just some old outcast, probably from before the rise, and who never got a chance to get caught up with the way things work. A lot of old folk had it hard then, when the fighting was going on, and no one knew for sure what was happening. My grandpa died in the wars, you know that? You gonna fuck him up if he were here? Kick him in the ball? Steal his prosthetic leg? You talk about sticking it to the angels because they play righteous when all they do is screw people over, but what the fuck? What exactly the fuck is the difference between you and them when it comes to poor assholes like this lady? I shoved my Snickers bar into the bag lady's filthy hand. She held it like she was a mannequin in a pose. Asking questions? How about giving some fucking new answers for a change? I turned and stormed away. I'd planned on waiting out the night in Satan's warehouse, but I wasn't really processing things on that level. Not then. Sam. I didn't turn around. Sammy. I held up my middle finger and kept walking. He didn't call a third time. It was cold in the bushes. We're fairly northerly, considering the way things got shifted around to accommodate the lake of fire in the big box. You know, the 12,000 cubits one. Yeah, fuck those fat cats who live there, but it's not like they give a shit that their house has shoved glaciers down in weird-ass places and made weather forecasting even more of a mugs game than it used to be. Anyway, point is that even at graduation time, temperature still got pretty low around 3 in the morning, and I'd left home without a jacket. I debated whether it'd be fair to try and hide from the Angel of Death or present a moving target. On the one hand, if he searches the whole city every night, and that's supposedly what he does, then any given spot is going to be unsafe at some point, so staying put won't work forever. On the other hand, if you're the only thing moving around in a silent and still landscape, you're not going to be hard to spot, you know? In the end, it was just too damn cold for me to keep on my feet. 
I went to the place I figured everyone would least expect to find me. I went to school. The doors were padlocked, so I'd bunked down in the hedge beside the building and spent the last few hours of the night, crouched amid the old cigarette butts and discarded condoms. Both of those were against the rules, but like that ever stopped anyone, right? I must have slept, I'm not sure when I slipped off, but I know I was asleep because I remember waking up to the watery morning sun and seeing that creepy motherfucker crouching in the bushes in front of me, just staring in my face. Black eyes. Deep black. Ah! I croaked. Too dry to shriek properly. I licked my chapped lips and tried again. How long have you been there? No answer. No response. The cold radiating off him made me shiver. Well, you're too late now. Sun's up. Curfew's over. He might have nodded his head the tiniest fraction of an inch. Might just have been the wind moving his hood. Man, I don't know why you're bothering with me. I'm going in tomorrow. Later today, I mean. I'll take the stupid oath. I'll do the stupid jobs. You fuckers win, okay? Nothing. Not even a flicker. Fucking talk, you asshole. Answer me. I reached out a hand to... To do something. I don't know. The cold was so intense near his skin that it blistered my fingertips. I think I might have touched him. Not his cloak or anything touched an actual angel, which is supposed to kill you. And then I woke up again. It felt like waking up anyway. I was in the bushes. I was cold. The angel of death was gone, if he'd ever been there. My hand hurt, but I ignored it. I had a lot of aches after that night, right? Could have been anything. I lurked around the school entrance until the buses started showing up. Cafeteria was open for the free meal kids. I joined in the trudge walk. Technically, I qualified, even if I didn't usually partake. Cold cereal and lukewarm milk and a runty pear. Mm-mm, good. We had classes like normal for the morning. Technically, it was still school, but since all the tests were finished and all the grades assigned, it was basically just a day for tearful farewells and yearbook signings and cleaning out lockers and all that crap. Everyone kept doing double takes and stammering that they hadn't expected to see me again. It got really annoying, and I wasn't in the most stable mood to begin with. I ended up almost taking Martin's head off when he offered me his yearbook to sign, which I felt kind of bad about. He was a dweeb, but he meant well, and he was mostly harmless. His yearbook looked basically blank from what I saw. I think I made him cry. The other kids left me alone after that, at least, but the teacher started watching a lot more closely. I saw a lot of hands go up to touch sigils. Nervous gestures. Was this what it was like to be feared? I'd have said I should enjoy it while it lasted, but there was not a lot to enjoy about it from what I could see. Then came the last bell. Everyone lined up like good little soldiers and trooped to the assembly hall with its stained glass portraits of the archangels. It was time to choose. All the kids who were ready to pledge their lives to the angelic service were lined up in the front rows. Kids go up and swear their oath. The presiding angel seals the compact in fire and hangs the new forged sigil around the youthful neck. Everyone claps and we rinse and repeat for about three hours. I'd been attending these things for years. Well, not recent years, but, you know, when I was little. I think this year we had Sadak, who was about as minor league as angels come. Not even any official purview, just minor angelic functionary. He must have been hiding behind the door when vowels were handed out of creation too, but at least no one would be surprised that they couldn't read the signature on the certificate. They played the usual dreary school hymns, and we all stood up and sat down at least three times. I stopped paying attention and just stayed in my seat, no matter how many times my homeroom teacher hissed at me to stand up. When the actual assembly began, my jaw nearly dropped. They were going in order of age, and they'd started with the kindergartners. Not a ton of them, sure, but come on. Those kids are five, six at the oldest. How can they already be swearing their oaths? I watched, shifting as if my seat were slowly being heated from below. I didn't feel hot, though. I felt cold. Really cold now that I thought about it. The seat beside me had been empty when the assembly started, Big surprise there for the demon lover who'd spent the night sleeping in a bush, 
but I saw something shadowy out of the corner of my right eye. Something maybe like a pale face with ink-black eyes. My right hand was going numb with cold. I gotta go, I said a little too loudly. Kids from the next row turned around, then quickly turned back to the front. I stood up and pushed my way out of the row of seats, ignoring the protests of the students I was shoving and stepping on. Sadak was droning something in Inakian as I fled up the paper-thin carpet and out the double doors with a bang. Fucking angels, man. Footsteps followed after me, sensible shoes, hurried stride. Teachers. I could hear some kind of commotion from out by the front doors. They'd expect me to bolt that way, I was sure. Hopefully they'd hear the same noises and jump to the same conclusion. I ducked into the stairwell instead. Not sure what I was thinking, exactly. Mostly that I just wanted to get away, hide somewhere till everything was over. Maybe I was going up to the roof for some other reason. I don't know, I'm not a psychologist. But I found myself up there, and I kind of wasn't really surprised. It was just where I needed to be. The angel of death was already waiting for me. He was standing by the edge, over where the ducks stick out and you can watch the girls' soccer team practice. It's just the thing I know about, okay? Man, I said to the angel of death, what the fuck is your problem? No answer. Big surprise. The wind picked up, and I heard noises coming up the stairwell. The utility elevator started up too, rattling and clanging. You'd think I was some sort of criminal mastermind and not just a loser kid in a city full of fucking angels. I walked over beside Death because I just did not care anymore. And anyway, he could teleport or whatever angels do, and he clearly wanted to follow me around for whatever fucked up personal reason. He was staring at the field, even though no one was playing soccer, and he didn't react to my presence. At least I didn't have to see his eyes. I looked down. What? Am I supposed to kill myself now? Is that what Angel Vision tells you is going to happen? I scuffed my shoes and watched a pebble tumble down. Even if I was planning on it, I wouldn't now. Anyway, it probably wouldn't kill me. Break some bones, though, definitely. We watched no one playing soccer for a while. I shook my head. Fuck it. I'm going downstairs. That's what you want, right? I'll say the words and do my work and keep my head down and probably eventually have the mandatory kids and send them to the mandatory schools, just like the rules say. I get it. It's like a Lifetime movie. I'm growing up. See how fucking mature I'm being? The angel smiled then. I could just see his lips curling slightly from under his hood. Except it wasn't like a, go in peace, my son, smile. It was more like a, ha ha, sucker, smile, which made me even more unhappy and uncomfortable than I already was. I stepped back and headed for the stairs, not quite willing to turn my back on him. You can't trust anyone with wings or a halo. It plays with their minds. The utility elevator arrived with a thud and a groan. Someone inside grunted, and the iron gate rolled back. Then, wheels squeaking, out came... Satan? What are you doing here? He was pushing his little clothing rack. The terrible black wings were... Okay, they were still pretty beat up and moth-eaten and generally real thrift store looking, but they were clean now and shiny in places like they'd been oiled. And as near as I could see, all the little linkages and struts that had been snapped or rusted out had been replaced. They looked... functional. Satan peered out at me from behind the wings. I fixed them, he said. Ready to go. A weight came over me, like someone had dropped a leather poncho over my head. I felt like a half-deflated soccer ball, where you give it a good kick and it just kind of goes wood and flops ten feet. Man, I told you I thought about that. Okay, I didn't exactly tell you, but, you know, I thought you got it. I'm not swearing to you. I don't think I can. It's too fucked up. Satan shrank inside his filthy overcoat. His beady eyes gleamed and he looked away. I heard you, Sammy. Fix them anyway. He fidgeted some more. Played with his little goatee. They're yours. I can't use them. Last time I did, they got broke pretty bad. Figured you could keep them. Flying is fun. I think I remember it being fun. 
I tried to force a smile, even if inside I still felt like a soggy bit of toast. Hey man, that's... I mean, I don't think they'll let me. You know, when I'm sworn to general obedience, probably rules about menials having demonic artifacts and stuff. But thank you. It was nice of you. It really was, I realized. And I was fucking it up because I was in a funk because... The stairwell burst open, and a half dozen teachers tumbled out, shouting. Mr. Musily was in the lead. I think I even saw Sadak glowing serenely back in the stairwell, his melodious voice peevish as he tried to get people to move out of his way. Even the Angel of Death drifted over, as if attracted by the commotion. No one else seemed to notice him. There they are, shouted Mr. Musily. You guys, I told them, calm down, I'm coming back down already. Jeez. Satan glanced up. Blasphemy, he crowed. Owe me a coke. He punched me in the arm. How? Foul demon, Mr. Musley intoned, brandishing his sigil at Satan, who leaned back, jostling me in the wing rack. He smelled like burnt matchheads. Be gone from this holy place and leave our souls in peace. He steps forward, pendant glowing, and Satan hopped back like he got burned. Got him behind me, like you'd say. Don't even want your stupid souls, Satan muttered. And you, Mr. Musily rounded on me, still holding the pendant as if it would repel me, which, honestly, it kind of did. You are in so much trouble, young man. Disrupting the ceremony, consorting with devils, I may have to reconsider my recommendation that you graduate. I didn't actually say fine with me, but I think I thought it hard enough that he heard me because his face went purple, then white. Come with me immediately, Samuel, he said, gesturing sharply. He didn't come grab me, though. I don't know if he was afraid what I'd do, or if he just didn't want to get in smelling distance of Satan. I felt the initial rush of instinctive refusal. Rebelliousness of spirit, they called it. But then I remembered that I wasn't fighting them anymore. That I'd made up my mind to be an adult about everything. Even when it sucked. I closed my mouth and glanced around. Mr. Musley was getting closer to apoplexy every second. Satan looked hangdog. The teachers all had stern faces on, but were mostly enjoying being part of a righteous mob. And the angel of death wasn't just smiling anymore, he was grinning. And starting to move forward, slipping through the crowd like a snake through tree branches. And I remembered something. Despair is a sin. No, I said. Mr. Musily kept looking grouchy. What? No. Fuck this noise. I don't want it. Who says I have to have it? I do. We do. They do. He pointed to Sadak, who had made it to the front of the crowd and was staring down his nose at Satan. Except he wasn't even as tall as Satan and so was kind of glaring cross-eyed at Satan's right elbow. Well, I don't. I'm not swearing to anyone. I turned around. Satan was watching me closely. Not even you, bro. Satan shook his head. Nah. Dumb idea anyway. Help me on with these. I pointed to the wings. A couple of teachers tried to move forward, but Satan pulled himself upright and bared his fangs. He even managed a pretty good fireball effect, even if it was more of a burp than a blast. The teachers scrambled backwards. The fire passed around Stock and the Angel of Death without touching them. Stock looked confused. The Angel of Death just watched, face impassive again. You know the lady... Satan said as he fussed with the straps on my back. Huh? The old lady. He tugged something that gave me the mother of all wedgies. I told her not to die. Command voice. I don't think it worked very well, though probably won't for long. I don't know how to make her better for good. I laughed. Really laughed for the first time in what felt like years. Maybe in my whole life. Fuck if I know either, dude. Satan stepped back, and I flexed the wings. They spread out with a sharp sound, like a battle flag snapping in the wind. Feels cool, dude. 
I strode to the edge of the roof. Behind us, the flickering remnants of the fireballs were dying down. The teachers were murmuring, working up the courage to tackle the devil again. They were trying to convince Doc to miracle something up, but he was looking dubious. I held out a hand to Satan. Come on, we'll try to figure something out to help her. My wings started to beat, slowly but building speed. Your lead, Satan gripped my wrist. It wasn't cold at all. So, I swear to you now? Ugh, God no. Blasphemy. Oh, me too, Coax. I looked over my shoulder and met the gaze of the angel of death. I pointed at him. Nobody likes you, I told him. No response. No, really, you're a fucking asshole. Everyone thinks that. He shrugged. Oh, what can you do, shrug? That's the spirit, I said. And then I jumped off the roof to see if I could fly. And welcome back. Man, high school. Those were like the best days of our lives, right? I had a blast reading this one. I don't usually push to read the funny stories, but this one really made me laugh. And I felt like, to a certain degree, I'd gone to that school, even if Satan and I hadn't been on the best of speaking terms. Here's what Nathan had to say about the story. This was originally a drabble, specifically that opening scene with the inhuman angel beating up a kind of pathetic Satan. I enjoyed bizarre, unsettling, sad hobo Satan enough that he showed up a couple more times in Drabbles, generally making gestures at trying to be nice but not being very good at it. And finally, I just wanted to flesh out the whole thing into a longer piece to explore some of my feelings. Even when I was a Christian, I spent a lot of time wondering what it was like for Judas or Satan to be part of the ineffable plan but fated to never succeed, to never win. What kind of psychology goes into that? Do they know? Isn't it depressing? How rubbish would his life be after his inevitable defeat? If we take as a given that angels are righteous and Satan is evil because it's all part of the plan, what does that mean? What happens when the plan is over and everything is settled? Good questions. Magic 8-Ball Internet? What say you? Well, thanks, Nathan. And also, thanks for picking Stack as a character in this story. Like, sincerely. And I want to give a special shout-out to our forum mod Atan, who provided me with a pronunciation for it. I tried to be consistent with it, but I probably mispronounced it a different way every time I said it. Okay, a little bit of an administrative announcement to our authors. Podcasts will be closing for submissions on November 15th, so if you're an author that gives you just a little more than a week to get your stories into us, this time, we're going to have a fixed window. We'll be closing to fiction submissions from November 15th all the way through the rest of the year. Okay, feedback this week is for Claire Humphrey's Haunts, read by Julia Rios. This was the story of a former duelist who finds a patron while selling her fingers for money on the black market and starts a school. Also, she's haunted by the ghosts of her past. I love this story, and some of you did too. Yay! Sparinch said, You had plans. You had dreams. You had ambitions. Then you had them cut out from under you. In this case, quite literally. Yeah, it can be really hard to let go of what you can't be anymore and get on with what you still can. I like the revitalization of the school as a symbol of the main character coming to grips with the fact that while she can never be the star of the fights again, she can still be part of it by bringing on the next generation. I also like the way she kept telling herself that she was a civilian now, when she clearly didn't really believe it. And I like that the happy ending was still tinged with sadness. She still drank, and she still made her drink offerings to the haunts. Because we never forget lost friends. An electric paladin said, Straight up, I love this story because in it, a big guy got some lovin'. Moving on, the rest of the story was also sublime. I love the sadness of the haunted school and the dawning, creeping, and pressing that the main character wasn't doing her haunts any favors by keeping them there. The moment where her unreliable nature as a narrator solidified into a certainty 
that she had been deluding herself was brilliant. The world building was consistent, the writing was evocative, and the characterizations were solid. It was an excellent story all around and I enjoyed it greatly. There was also a fascinating discussion on whether or not selling the fingers actually was successful and giving the duelists and students a supernatural edge. Fun times. And if you all want to come down over to the forum and watch Satan Bite the Dust or The Champion or, I don't know, talk about the stories we discuss here, swing by at forum.escapeartist.net. Bring a couple of Cokes and the king-size Snicker bars. None of that fun-size leftover shit from Halloween. Okay? While you're at it, please consider visiting podcastle.org and making a donation. Every single cent goes to paying our authors so we can bring you the best fantasy fiction come choosing day. And stick it to fucking creepy-ass Angel of Death. Also Mr. Musily. Basically, the man in general. Thanks. I think that about wraps it up for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. On behalf of all of us at PodCastle, I want to say thanks so much for letting us share another story with you. We will be back in one week with more fantasy fiction. Until then, this is Dave Thompson reminding you to find some different answers. Blasphemy, right? Bring us some Cokes, too, while you're at it. We'll see you next time. PodCastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Share it, but don't change it or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. You can find them at magnatune.com. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, or post to your blog about it, or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. Our closing quote is from Tori Amos, who said, On some of my darkest days, Lucifer is the one who comes and gives me an ice cream. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. cherished and long felt desire. Let the might of your compassion arise to bring a quick end.